Hello, and welcome to the Sapona Road Church Podcast. Today is a great day. It's the day that the Lord has made, and we are excited that you've taken time to join with us as we hear from God's Word. We exist as a church to spread the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We hope that today's message encourages and blesses you and helps you to grow and mature in your walk and relationship with Him. The Word of the Lord is powerful and life-changing, so let's see our lives transformed as we listen to today's message. Uh, But today I want to talk to you about the characteristics of being filled. And... um, before I even get into that, when it comes to the Holy Spirit, sometimes there are a lot of people that get uh, confused about some things or get carried away about some things. And uh, you hear different expressions used different ways. And sometimes we don't, even, we don't even really get it. And sometimes because we don't get it, we just decide to leave it alone. And, uh, and Holy Spirit gets neglected an awful lot. We have to remember Holy Spirit is God. And so uh, two, two things that uh, jump out to me uh, is, uh, and I've got it written down here, Ephesians 4.30 and 1 Thessalonians 5.19. In Ephesians, it says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. And in uh, Thessalonians, it says, do not quench the Spirit. Okay, so these two, you hear, you hear those phrases a lot, especially in Pentecostal churches about things. And, and there's a lot of people who never even give the, the phrases any thought. And so I'm going to quickly give you what those two mean, uh, and it's simple. The first one about do not grieve the Holy Spirit, uh, this focuses on sin. And your thought, your attitude, your action is causing the Holy Spirit pain from something that we do or something that we allow in our lives. And then when it comes to not quenching the Spirit, this doesn't have to be because of sin. It doesn't have to be because there is something sinful in your life, but it's any time that we choose not to co-labor with Holy, Holy Spirit. Anytime that we hold back from allowing the Spirit to move and we limit what God can do by doing that, we're, we're quenching the Spirit. And so you hear a lot of the, those, those phrases, and, and, and so it causes some people to get so, um, so super spiritual about things that you don't really know where they're coming from. And it causes some to get really religious and legalistic. And so a lot of people just say, what's the use? I can't, I can't measure up. I can't live up to that. And, and so they just put Holy Spirit away and they never see the importance of being filled with the Holy Spirit and having Holy Spirit be an active part uh, of, their, of your life. And so uh, they feel like there's just all these rules. And so what I want to do is give you two illustrations. And the first one is how we should live our lives when it comes to the Holy Spirit, and you'll take care of both not grieving the Holy Spirit and not quenching the Holy Spirit. And so if I were to uh, come to you and, and let's just say I had some expensive jewelry, whatever, whatever kind you like, necklace, bracelet, ring, whatever it is that, you, that, you, that, that, that catches your eye, and it's priceless. You can't even put a price tag on it, and I were to say, what I want you to do, I want you to take this and I want you to keep it for me for 60 days. You need to keep it on you at all times, and you need to make sure that when I come back, it's not damaged, it's not lost, it's not stolen. None of that is done to it. And when you give it back to me, I'm going to give you $10 million. Now, how would you live your life for the next two months? You would live your life aware of that piece of jewelry. 
If you chose a ring every now and then, you would just, you would probably rub your thumb on it just to make sure it was still there because remember, you got to keep it with you. If you chose the bracelet or a watch or something, you would check your wrist. If it was some other type of jewelry and you had it in your pocket every now and then, you'd put your hand in your pocket every so often just to make sure it was still there. You know, like we do when we got a lot of cash in our wallet. We'll check every now and then to make sure it's, it's still there. Um, but you would live your entire life for the next 60 days aware of that piece of jewelry. See, that's the way it's supposed to be with Holy Spirit. You're supposed to live every day of your life aware of His presence, aware of what He's doing, aware of what He wants to do. It's not just supposed to be something that you pull out like, a, like, like one of those emergency credit cards when something goes wrong. He is supposed to be a part of every day of our lives, and we should be aware of Him. And so we, we, we seem to have this thing where uh, we're okay with uh, being aware of the Father God and we're okay with being aware with Jesus, but then it's like Holy Spirit doesn't matter. Holy Spirit is God. And so what I want to show you with a little illustration now, that was my story. Now my illustration is um, this message I'm going to give you real quickly what it means to be uh, the characteristic of being filled. And it's, and it's pretty simple. Hopefully I don't need these. The characteristic of being filled, and then when I get to the end of this message, I'm going to give you something just as simple from the, from the Word. But the characteristic of being filled is you're full. Now, you can get into everything else that people want to talk about, and I believe in all the gifts of the Spirit. I believe in operating in all the gifts of the Spirit. I believe in speaking in tongues and praying in tongues and all those different things. But sometimes we get so focused on something, a particular thing, that we miss the obvious thing, that the characteristic of being filled is you're full. And uh, so here's my example, because there's only one way to tell that you're full. And so I have a couple brand-new water bottles here. And some of you have seen me do this before. But. Okay. All right, they're brand new. You heard, you heard it pop. And so the question is, is this bottle full? It's brand new. It's a brand new bottle of water, but is it full? Obviously, it's not full because I'm still pouring water in it, right? And we're talking about being filled with the Spirit. The Spirit is inside. When, when, when you're saved, the regeneration part, the Spirit is inside of you. We're talking about being baptized and filled with the Spirit to overflowing. Because the Bible doesn't say that in your belly you're going to store up rivers of living water. It's from you is going to flow rivers of, of living water. And so there's only one, to tell, to, one way to tell something's filled is when it's full. And there's only one way to tell when it's full because I can keep, does, is it full now? Is it full now? I could get a medicine dropper and start going drop by drop. The only way we can tell that this bottle is full is when it begins to overflow. And that's the way the Spirit is supposed to be in our lives. We're supposed to be filled to overflowing. It doesn't, it's not about checking some kind of uh, spiritual or religious badge that we're, trying to, that we're trying to earn or trying to say we can get this off our list. Oh, I, oh I've done this. Oh, I've given, I've given an interpretation. Oh, I've given a message. Oh, I've, I've been slain in the Spirit. Oh, I've, it, none of that matters if you're not filled to overflowing. If you're not filled to overflowing, you're not walking in the abundance that Jesus has for you. But we have a lot of people that they don't, they don't get that. 
And so they're sitting around in churches and they're good people because the water's in there. They're just not overflowing. And so uh, they're there and they're good Christian people and they think that they're filled, but they're not overflowing and they don't realize the importance of it. And so what happens is we have to have services where we get them really worked up. And uh, whether it's the praise team having to sing the right song to get them to, to shake them up, or if it's the, the preacher having to deliver the right type of sermon to shake them up, because they're sitting here and they think they're full, but they're not overflowing, so we got to shake them up. Because if we shake them up and some starts to come out, they think, or, or you you got to play on their emotions and start putting pressure. And we put pressure, but the problem is, is when that pressure's gone and they go home, they're not filled. They're not, they're not overflowing, I should say. Okay? So, that, so we, and it's, it's not that it's a bad thing. Sometimes you've got to shake some people up. Sometimes you do have to put a little pressure on them. But they also need to know that they can live a life out of the overflow of the Holy Spirit in their lives. And so that's, I wanted to give you that image in your mind before I even read the Scripture today to understand what I'm talking about, about, about being filled with the Spirit. There's... Only one way to know you're filled is you're full. And the only way you can know you're full is you're overflowing. And we need to live life out of the overflow. And so I'm going to read from uh, Ephesians chapter 5. I'm going to read verse 15 through 21. It says, See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is, and be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of of God. So, Father, we just thank you for your word. We just ask you to bless this message in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, in this passage of Scripture, we're starting in verse 15, where it says, uh, See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. The fools are, are the ones that are not saved. We're supposed to be wise because we're believers. It says, Redeeming the time because the days are evil. And when it says walk circumspectly, that's talking about walking carefully. Just imagine if you were walking through the woods barefoot or walking through thorns and briars. Even if you've got your shoes on, you're having to watch out for those things. We're to walk carefully. It says, wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. See, it's a, a fool is someone who's a non-believer, and the wise are the believers. And so a fool cannot operate in wisdom. But someone who has wisdom can choose to be unwise. So a fool can't just all of a sudden just start being a wise person, but you can be a wise person and do some really foolish stuff. And so it's telling us not to be unwise. And it says, and be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. So what I want to get you to see before we go any further is wine, it really can be anything. Because when we're talking about it, we're talking about the wine of the world. And wine influences you. If you don't believe me, well, I'm not going to tell you to do that, but you could go drink enough of it and you will find out. And so what happens with the wine of the world is that it's anything that influences your judgment away from the truth. 
It may be wine or it could be something else. But influences judgment away from the truth. The Holy Spirit, we know, is the wine of the kingdom. And the Holy Spirit is what leads us into all truth. And it's going to influence us to see the kingdom. And so we're not supposed to be drunk with wine, those things that influence us away from the truth. We're supposed to be drunk in the Spirit, the one that's going to lead us into all truth and cause us to see the kingdom in everything that we do. And to do that, we need to be filled with the Spirit. And we need to be filled till we're full and we're overflowing the way we're supposed to. And so the characteristics of being filled or, or the characteristics of a fresh anointing is what we all need to be showing in our lives. There are a lot of people that make the statement that I'm just a sinner saved by grace. And it's a true statement. It's a biblical statement. The problem with it is they're almost always focusing on the first part. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. They don't ever focus on the part of being saved by grace. They focus on the part of being a sinner. And we do this with a lot of scriptures in the Bible. We always focus on the first part. And uh, I talked a little bit about that last week about... Uh, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. But we stop there and we forget about the part by cleansing and sanctifying her with the washing of the water of the word. So we need the whole scripture. In Romans 3, 23, it says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Now we all know that scripture. People say it all the time. And uh, what they'll do is they focus on the part about sinning and falling short. That's their whole focus. That's all they can think about. And they usually that's when they say it, when somebody's messed up. Well, don't worry about it, brother. We've all sinned and fallen short. And they don't even say the second part. And the truth about the statement is we all sinned and we've all fallen short, but the other truth is that we were destined for the glory. Amen. If you've fallen short of the glory of God, the original destination was the glory of God, and Jesus came and restored all things, so you're still destined to bring glory to the Father. Yeah, you've, you've fallen short. Yeah, you've sinned, but get back up and keep going because you're here to bring God glory in some way. Why can't we ever focus on that part? In 1 Timothy 2, 4, it says, who will, have all, who will have all men to be saved and to come into the knowledge of the truth. We do the same thing with verses like this. We focus on the first part so much because it is so important. It's so powerful. We need more and more people uh, reaching the lost with the gospel. But what about the part about coming into the knowledge of truth? You have a lot of ministries and a lot of churches that are, they are set up completely uh, in one facet of it, but they don't, the people never grow. How are we going to come into spiritual maturity or maturity as a believer in Christ if we don't grow in the knowledge of the truth? So yes, God wants all men saved, but He also wants us to come into the knowledge of the truth. And that's what it's all about, to, be, to start growing and, and maturing as believers. So he doesn't just want us saved and staying in the same place. And a lot of people do that. But he wants us growing in that knowledge of his truth. And so in Ephesians 5.18 where it says, And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Now I've heard this verse used a lot of times throughout my years in church. And hearing a lot of people preach different sermons uh, my grandpa had a revival every five weeks when I was growing up. And back then, revival was all week long, and it was pretty common. At least one out of every three of those revivals was going to get extended. We lived at church. Some of y'all, if my grandfather was your pastor, you know what I'm telling the truth. They had, every five weeks, he had another evangelist. And a lot of times we would hear this 
this uh, verse. And when they would preach on this verse, I've heard them use it talking about being filled with the Spirit. I've heard them use it to preach against drinking wine. I've heard them use it all different kinds of ways, but I never really heard it explained any further than that. It's just kind of, it's just kind of put out there. And so I want to try and explain this little passage as much as I can for you today because I think Paul compared being filled with the Spirit to drinking wine for a reason. I think Paul was pretty intentional with everything that he, that he did. He was a pretty smart guy. And so being filled with the Holy Spirit is not a one-time thing. Uh, you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, and then there are refillings of the Spirit. And I'm thankful for those refillings because we all, we all need them. And so what Paul was saying here in Ephesians 5.18, or what I believe he was saying in a way, is that just like a person can, can, can be drunk on wine, we should be drunk on the Spirit. Because when a person does get drunk on wine, there's only one way they stay drunk. They have to keep drinking. If they get drunk, they're not going to always be drunk. There's only one way they can stay that way. They have to keep drinking. See, we have to keep drinking as well. We have to continue. And so a better translation uh, of Ephesians 5.18 would probably be, and be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be being filled with the Spirit. It's a continual thing. It's, it's, a, it's a relationship. Like I said, we, we have no problem when we talk about relationship with God and, and then we can break that down to Father God and Jesus Christ. But why do we have such a hard time with relationship when it comes to Holy Spirit? It should be the Holy Spirit is God, so it should be the same thing. Being filled with the Spirit is not a one-time thing. In uh, Acts chapter 2, we all know that's where on the day of Pentecost and the, the Holy Spirit was poured out, the baptism was given. And now it's available to all of us. And then in Acts chapter 4, Peter and John go out and they get in trouble. And so they're threatened by the Jewish leaders. They're told not to speak or teach in the name of Jesus anymore. And so they go back and they tell this, the, the group of believers what happened to them. And they start praying for more boldness. Now, we would have just prayed that they would quit persecuting us, but they didn't do that. They prayed for more boldness. Maybe, maybe, we're, maybe we need to change our prayers up a little bit. We're praying about how everything bad should go away instead of praying for more boldness to go against the bad, but I'm guilty of it too. So I'm just saying maybe, maybe we should try that one while we're doing our negativity fast. But in verse, four, uh, verse 31 of chapter 4, it says, And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. Now, maybe not all, but many of these, probably the majority and maybe all of these, are the same Christians that had received the baptism of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. And now here they are in Acts chapter 4, and they're receiving a refilling. If Peter and John needed to be refilled, it's probably, you know, we're probably going to need to too. Now, when it comes to the Ephesians, Acts 19, uh, verse 1 through 6, it says, And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, We have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, Into what then were you baptized? So they said, into John's baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. 
When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. So we see here that when Paul first went to Ephesus, he meets up with the people in Ephesus and they had only been baptized in the baptism of John. So he begins to tell them about Jesus. They didn't even know anything about Jesus. He tells them and they, 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 they end up getting receiving Christ and they are baptized in Jesus' name. And then he tells them, uh, uh, he, he lays hands on them and they receive the Holy Spirit. So this is the church that he's writing to now. And in Ephesians, so the same people that Paul was there, laid hands on them, they're baptized in the Holy Spirit. And now he's telling them in Ephesians 5, receive the Holy Spirit. But it's, it's the same people. So he's writing the same group of born-again, spirit-filled people, and he tells them to be filled with the Spirit. He was telling them, and he's telling us now through the Word, that we must continue to be being filled with Holy Spirit, with the Spirit of God. We need to have a fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We need to be living from that overflow if we want to experience the amazing things that God has for us. And so we know that wine is a symbol for the Holy Spirit, and that just because... Uh, a person drinks wine and gets drunk does not mean that that person's going to be drunk the following week. They can only, the, the only way they can do it is to drink again. And so not only that, but, you know, from time to time, we do have things that shake us up and break us down. And, you know, I've heard people talk about none of us are perfect vessels. So in some ways we might, we, we just leak. Things happen. We need to be refilled. We need his presence every day. And, there are a lot of Christians that are not staying filled up to the overflowing with the Spirit. In fact, it's every one of us in here. None of us are perfect every day of our lives. We all have moments where we feel dry or we feel low or we feel all those things we shouldn't feel if we were filled up with the Spirit. See, there's some characteristics of being drunk that you just don't see in the church the way that you should. And uh, I'm not going to give you a long list, but I'm going to give you a few of them. When a person is drunk, they don't worry about anything. I don't know if you uh, have been around anyone like this. Even if they started drinking because they were worried, if they drink long enough, they're not worried anymore. Even if they got good reason to be, all of a sudden nothing, nothing bothers them. They, they can be worried about how they're going to pay their bills. And the next thing to know if they're drinking, they have ran up the largest bill. I don't know how they're going to pay it, but somehow it doesn't matter. They're not worried about money anymore. They're fine. But in the church, we have Christians and they can't even worship God because they're so worried about what tomorrow might hold. They're so worried about things that are probably never even going to happen. If we were continuously being filled, would it be that way? Would it be that way? I'm not going to say nothing bad is never going to happen or nothing that, that might cause worry might happen. But if we're being filled to the overflow, wouldn't it take it away? Another thing that a, about a person that's drinking is they're not selfish. They're not selfish at all. Uh, anytime I've ever been around somebody who was drinking, what's the first question they always ask you? Hey, you want a drink? <laughs> Heather will fight someone over a Diet Pepsi. She doesn't offer those Diet Pepsis to many people. Depends on how many she's got stocked up before she'll offer one. But someone who's drinking, they'll give you their last beer. That's the first thing they say. Hey, you want a beer? Yes. And, and if you tell them no, get ready to get asked at least three more times because they want to give you something. 
They get real, real generous real fast. But then we have Christians and they act like they're better than somebody else. They act like uh, they have no desire to share with other people. They have no desire to give into the kingdom of God. See, if we would, if the, as the church, if we would be being filled with the Spirit the way that we should, then preachers wouldn't have to preach on giving so much. They'd probably have to tell you to, to slow down. But we need to continue being filled with the Spirit. The last thing that I've noticed about people when they're drinking is that everyone looks a lot prettier when you're drunk. <laughs> We've all heard the phrase about beer goggles and stuff like that and different things about people, but... but it's, it's true. You can have totally different types of people. And when you go in a room, but if all those people are drinking and they're drunk, they're talking to each other. They can be from different facets of life. They can look totally different. They can think and believe totally different. And they're just, everybody just looks good to them. And, uh, and some, I've heard some people that's gotten them in a lot of trouble. I don't know, but... You know, and I'm talking spiritually here, but when, but if we were being filled with the Spirit the way that we should, a lot of people that look unattractive to us spiritually would start to look a lot more attractive. Some of those things that bother us so much about them or their attitude, it, it, that would all just go away. You see, it, when we look at people through the eyes of love, they look a whole lot better, no matter what they might actually look like. And uh, if you've, you've seen some of the different missionaries and things that they will put themselves through and you're like, how do they do that? Because they're, filled with, they're being, being filled with the Spirit to the overflow when they look at that person that smells bad or that looks bad or is all, all those different things, it doesn't matter. See, we need to be being filled with the Spirit so that when we look at people, we see what God sees. I've heard all kind of different stories of, of, of people in, in, in circumstances and and I don't, I don't know how they do And I'll even say, there ain't no way. There's no way I could do that. There's no way I could walk in that leprosy camp and start laying hands on those, those wounds that those people have and different things. And somehow they do it. Uh, I, I can't... Um, I believe it was uh, Hogan. Is it David Hogan? I heard him telling a story about going into a leprosy camp. And he, this is when he first got to Mexico. He's famous for all this stuff. Now, this is before he was famous and nobody knew who he was. Uh, some of you don't, but you can look him up. But uh, he went to a leprosy camp, and they had this guy, and uh, he, he needed to go see this guy for some reason. He said, tell him the preacher's coming. And I, he had to walk a crazy, crazy hike to get there. And he gets there, and the guy's in the tent. And uh, they bring him, before he can get in the tent, I think he said he vomited three or four times from the smell. And the guy had leprosy all up his leg it was just a big infected wound and he said he thought to himself and i'm probably telling this story wrong so you can go check his youtube out and see the, the good version but he said he didn't know what to do but he just knew that god said cleanse the lepers and he said he didn't know how to do it no one's ever taught him nobody's ever taught me either i don't know how you cleanse the lepers but he said he figured that he one way was as good as any he shoved his hand in the wound the open wound now, he just vomited three or four times just to walk in the room. Can you imagine what the wound smelt like? And he prayed for him, and nothing happened. And I think it was one of those, like, two weeks later, he went and the guy was totally healed by the time he, he went back. But at the same time, how does a guy do that? How do you walk in that situation? When the guy's so poor, he can't do anything for you, he's poor. He lives in a tent. 
There's no, there, there, there is no advantage to doing it except for one thing. That's living from the overflow. That's when, you're, when, when you are filled with the Spirit and you really see people for what they really are, children of God, no matter what they look, or, what they look like or smell like. Now, that's difficult, especially for us probably over here in America. It can be difficult, but it doesn't change the fact that it's true. We need to see people the way that God sees them. And so real quickly, I'm going to give you, I told you I was going to keep it simple at the beginning. The way you know you're filled is you're full. The way you know you're full is you're overflowing. And now I'm going to give you some, uh, something from the scriptures we just read that's just as simple. Here are the characteristics of a fresh anointing or, or, or being filled with the, with the Spirit. And they're not going to be what you think because it has nothing to do with how gifted you are. It doesn't matter how loud you are. It doesn't matter how many people you get to be in front of or how many people are following you in any kind of way, whether it's in person or on social media. None of that matters. It's actually found in the verses we read of 19 through 21 of Ephesians 5. In Ephesians 5, I'll start at 18 again. It says, And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of the Lord. The first characteristic of, uh, of being filled is supernatural speaking. And yes, I, uh, like I said, I, I believe in speaking in tongues, praying in tongues, and uh, interpretation of tongues, but that's, that's not even what I'm talking about here. Verse 19 says, Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Speaking supernaturally is speaking by the unction of the Holy Spirit. And so when the Bible says, uh, talks about hymns, psalms, and spiritual songs, it's not necessarily referring to songs out of a song book. It's talking about songs that are given by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Just the spur of the moment. They just, they just come up and they have to come out. And it's okay if you can't sing. I mean, you can give it a try. But it says speaking to yourselves. You can talk it out if you need to. Some of you need to. It can be a poem. It doesn't have to be a song, but it works the same way. Matthew 12, 34 says, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Whatever is in our heart is going to come out. Whatever we're full of to over, is going to overflow. See, this bottle, when you get in this shape right here, something's going to fill that space. Uh, it, may be, uh, it may be pleasures of the world. It may be fear. It may be anxiety. It may be hatred. It may be unforgiveness. It may be bitterness. And whatever fills that space is going to eventually flow out. So one way or another, whatever's in your heart, it's going to flow out. It's going to work that way with whatever you decide to be full of. I'm not going to tell you you're full of it this morning, but you're full of it this morning of something. What is overflowing out of, out of you? It should be the Spirit of God. If we're filled with the Spirit, then we will have a song or a poem or something of that nature in our heart, and it eventually will come out of our mouths. It may be in English. It may be in a heavenly language. Or it may be something that we write down, but if we are filled to overflowing, it's going to come out. It's going to happen. The second characteristic is giving thanks. Verse 20 says, Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we're to give thanks to God for all things. If we're filled, we will. Now, that doesn't mean that we're to thank God for what the devil's doing. 
Have you been around anyone that prayed like that? You, it's by the end of the prayer, you're wondering who they're, th they're, they're talking. All they're talking about is everything the enemy's doing in their life. That's not what it is to be thankful. See, in any circumstance you're in, even if it is straight from the enemy, it doesn't matter. We can still thank God for his goodness. We can still thank God that we have another opportunity to trust him. We can thank God for another opportunity to believe in him, to believe in his promises. We can thank God that we have another chance to exercise our faith and to see his faithfulness performed on our behalf. You can thank him no matter what you're going through. See, nowhere in the Bible does God tell us to grumble, gripe, and complain. We, we, we came up with that all on our own. He tells us to give thanks. And when we're filled with the Spirit and we're, we're giving thanks, it makes it a whole lot more difficult for the enemy to come and steal your joy. Man, there's a lot of people, they lose their joy so fast. Uh, I'm going pretty fast through this, so I'm going to tell you another story. This was years ago before I ever even thought about being a, being a preacher. And uh, really, I never wanted to be a preacher, but uh, I was in a Sunday school class, and this lady... She's, you know those ladies that say they want to say something and two words in, they're crying? She was one of those. And she's, the only two words she got out before she started crying was, you know. And she said, you know, sometimes. And she just went. And she said, sometimes it just feels like God is so far away from me. And everybody in the room just started patting her on the back and telling her, oh, it's okay, sister, it's okay. And I just kind of got irritated. And usually I'm pretty nice. But I finally asked her, I said, what are you crying about? This is in a Sunday school class. I was not the teacher. I think I was about 22 or 23 maybe. I hadn't been saved long, <laughs> too long either. Uh, but I, I said, what are you crying about? And she's like, well, you know, you know she, she's wiping her eyes and stuff. And I was like, I just saw you two weeks ago shouting in front of the church and your, the, the pins in your hair fell out. And now you say he's so far away from you? Well, I said, what in the world happened to you over these two weeks? Some people, it takes nothing for them to lose their joy. I told her, I said, if that's all it takes for you to be in here crying and all upset, I said, what happened to the whole thing of, of having a made-up mind and knowing that you know? And she quit crying and the class went on and we didn't have to hear any more, we didn't have to hear any more whining for a few weeks at least. But it's the truth. Some people, man, the Lord can do all kind of things for them. Unbelievable stuff. And then what, you get, what happened though is that week before she got shook up. She wasn't living from the overflow. She just got shook up real good. I don't know if it was the song or the message. I don't remember what it was that day that she shouted it down. But obviously, it couldn't have been the overflow for two weeks later for her to be crying in Sunday school in front of everybody. It just doesn't make sense. But see, that's what people do. And I, uh, I forgot where I was at again. Like, this is two weeks in a row. But, but you've been around people like that. I remember. If you're filled to the overflow, the enemy doesn't have this... E it's not so easy for him to steal your joy. You'll keep your joy. You'll keep your peace. You'll keep your comfort if you'll stay filled to the overflow. We won't, we won't have to be offended all the time like Brother Mills was talking about the other week if we're being filled with the Spirit. The Bible talks about a sacrifice of praise and it being one of the functions of a priest. We're all called to be priests unto God. We're, we're supposed to praise Him. And see, that gets a lot easier when you're filled with the Spirit. And it doesn't just become uh, automatic, it becomes a lifestyle. 
When it becomes a lifestyle, that's even better than automatic. It's just, it's just, it's just natural. It's not just muscle reflex. It's not, you know, when you ask people how they're doing and they got something they always say, or whether it's okay, fine, whatever, that just muscle memory, how you speak, it won't even be, it'll become a lifestyle. It'll be better than automatic. You're still going to go through stuff. It's still going to be difficult, but you'll respond with praise and thanksgiving. You'll become so full of the Spirit, you'll become so full of praise, so full of thanksgiving that you'll be like a sponge full of water. When a sponge is full of water, it doesn't matter where you press it, water's coming out. And that's the way it can be for us if we're filled with the Spirit. It doesn't matter what the enemy's brought, like that lady. I don't know what the enemy brought against her in those two weeks, but apparently it was horrible. But it wouldn't matter how bad it is, because no matter where he tries to, to put pressure on us, all that's going to come out is thanksgiving. It doesn't matter where he tries to squeeze us. It's going to be praise that's released. And see, that, that happens when you maintain a fresh anointing filled with the Spirit. The third characteristic of being filled is submitting one to another. Verse 21 says, Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Submitting one to another does not mean ruling over one another. It's not the same thing. It means that you, you give in to one another and that you're not hard-headed or hard-hearted. You're not stubborn and always demanding your own way. See, and actually, most of us, we don't have a problem with submitting. We believe in it 100% as long as it's other people submitting to us. When it comes time for us to submit, it gets, it gets tough every now and then. But this thing, think of these three simple things that show the characteristics of being filled. And now think of all the spirit-filled churches where you see none of them. You don't see unity. You don't see the peace. You don't see all these different things. People definitely don't submit one to another. See, when we're filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit, we'll have a submissive spirit and we'll have a submissive attitude toward other people. We won't have to make sure that everybody knows we're right all the time or that everybody sees things our way. And it can happen. I've been on both ends. I've been where it didn't happen. I've been where I didn't submit. I've been, I've been seeing other people that refused to to submit, but I've, I've seen it happen a few times where the submission took place, and it's a beautiful thing. I had a disagreement with someone uh, years back, and it was pretty heated, and uh, it wasn't the lady in the Sunday school class either. It was somebody different. But there had been several attempts to apologize um, on both sides, but every time there was an attempt to apologize, there was, another, there was, a, there was, a, there was a plan B in the apology which was to make the other person see it the way I saw it, and their plan was to make me see it the way they saw it. So it really wasn't an apology at all. It was just kind of like trying to open the door to win the, win the argument. And so I had come to realize that, and so I had made peace in myself that, uh, you know what, I'm done with that. You know, they, they did what they did, I did what I did, it is, it is what it is. And so this person reached out again to apologize to me. And so we're standing there face to face, and they, they, it was a good apology. And I said, all's forgiven. Don't worry about it. And then they went to plan B. And I stopped them before they could even get going in plan B. I said, you don't need to say any of that. And I said, uh, you don't need to make me see things your way, and I don't need you to see them my way. I said, in that situation, you did what you did because of the way you saw things, the lenses of your experiences, what you've been through, what's happened to you in the past. You made your decisions. I said, everything that I did was because of the lenses that I saw things. Neither one of us were trying to do anything, you know, hateful or mean-spirited. I said, so I'm not going to try and make you see it my way, and I don't need to see it your way. 
You said sorry, I said sorry, all's forgiven, it's done, it's over. And you should have seen the weight that looked like come off of this person's shoulders. It was like they couldn't believe it was that easy. And what it, what, the reason that it was that easy, one, they accepted what I said and didn't get offended, but it was because we submitted one to another. Nobody was right, nobody was wrong. There was no big, there was no big story to go tell everyone about, hey, they admitted that I was right all those years ago and that they did me wrong when they said they were sorry. No, it was submitting one to another. And that's what we need in the church because it's a beautiful thing when it happens. Submitting means giving in to one another in a spirit of love and meekness. Giving up the right to be right and the right to be offended. See, when we're not submissive to one another, we end up with churches full of proud know-it-alls. And there's a lot more of them out there than you think. If you visit around, you'll find some and you'll be glad you don't go to one. We're not supposed to be that way. We should all be teachable. We should be humble. And that goes right along with being submissive and being filled with the Spirit. A good teacher is not always the one that knows the most. A good teacher is the one that stays teachable. A good teacher is the ones that are willing to be taught themselves. See, sometimes God will use the person that you don't even totally agree with to give you the revelation you've been asking for. Sometimes He'll even use a person you don't even like Maybe you're not even sure if they're saved and he'll use that person to give you the revelation that you've been needing, that you've been praying about. The, the problem is, is you're never going to receive it if you're not submissive. There's a lot of people that have been praying for stuff for years and they're probably going to be surprised when they get to heaven and found out how many times God sent it to them. It was just in people they didn't like or they didn't, they didn't agree with them because they wouldn't submit to one another. They never received it. See, the truth is none of us are always right. We all make mistakes. We're not right about everything. And, and since none of us are always perfect and none of us are always right, we must be filled with the Spirit, submitting ourselves one to another. In order to do that, we need to be filled with the Spirit. We need to be living from the overflow. And when we do that, we'll be the unified body that we've been called to be. You know, the, have you ever thought about maybe, you know, we're, we're always, a lot of preachers are preaching about unity. Have you ever thought what the unity would be if people actually were filled to the overflow and not just filled till they were gifted? That man, they want to get filled till they get a gift. Once they get a gift, they're good. But what about being filled to the overflow the way it's supposed to be? We need a fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We need a fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit in our churches. And so from these characteristics from Ephesians, I, I hope that we can see or if we are filled to overflowing with the Spirit or not. We can look at ourselves and see what's going on. We need to be filled because when we are, we have a song in our heart. We're continually giving thanks to God and we'll have a submissive, teachable spirit and we'll maintain unity with one another as we submit to one another. You see, when we're living that way out of the overflow, it pleases the Father. Can you just imagine what, how the Father feels when He does look at a body of believers as actually living life out of the overflow and not in competition with each other and or backbiting with one another? So I hope that these characteristics describe every person in here today. I hope they do. But if they wouldn't describe you today, I want you to know that they can. It's for every single believer. We can be filled with the Spirit every day of our lives. And we can live from that overflow. 
It's for you. Don't believe the lie of the enemy of all that that is too super spiritual to this or that. It's not. Holy Spirit is God. He wants a relationship with you too. Father, we just thank you for your presence in this place today. Lord, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your mercy, your grace. God, we just pray first off for these two families that have suffered loss this week, God. Lord, we pray for the Hall family. We pray for comfort. We pray for strength for Brother Hall, Lord, in his body, God. We pray for Sister Margaret's children and grandchildren, Lord. God, we pray for the Poster family. Lord, we pray for salvation to come to this home along with healing and comfort, God. Lord, we just give you praise for it right now. Lord, I just pray for every person in here, God, that you would fill us afresh and anew, God. Lord, that your Holy Spirit would just begin to minister to each and every one. God, we want to live life from the overflow. God, we don't want to be people that have to be shaken up and pressured, Lord, to, to worship you or to serve you or to live for you, God. We want to be overflowing, Lord. The only way we can be filled is to be full, and the only way we can be full is to overflow, Lord, that rivers of living water would just begin to flow from every person in here because it's for every believer. God, I thank you for the faithfulness of your people, God. And Lord, I just ask that you would just begin to, to bless each and every one and that your spirit would just flow, God, like never before. Lord, that we would operate in the gifts of the Spirit, that we would walk in, in each and every one of the gifts that you've given, God, but we won't find ourselves identified in that gift, but we'll find ourselves identified in you. We thank you that Holy Spirit is God, Lord. Lord, we want a relationship with you, God. We want a relationship with you, Father. We want a relationship with you, Jesus. We want a relationship with you, Holy Spirit. We thank you that you are three in one and that you love us so. Lord, you've provided so many ways for us to live in that abundant life. God, that we would just walk in and that everywhere we would go, Lord, we would have those spiritual songs and hymns coming out of us. That we would be people of thanksgiving, Lord, that it wouldn't take a negativity fast for us to proclaim the goodness of God in every situation. Lord, that we would submit one to another and Lord, that we would be the unified body that you've called us to be. So Holy Spirit, we just say come right now upon every person. We thank you for your presence. You're welcome in this place. You're welcome in our hearts. You're welcome in our lives. Lord, we just stand in awe of all that you're doing. Lord, we just give you glory and we just give you praise. In Jesus' name. We are so happy that you joined us today. If you are interested in learning about or giving to this ministry, you can find more information at saponaroadchurch.com. If you are local to the Fayetteville, North Carolina area, our meeting times are 1045 a.m. Sunday mornings and 7 o'clock p.m. Wednesdays for our connect groups. From all of us here at Sapona Road Church, we hope that you have a great day as you walk in the Lord's favor and blessing.